Blog Talk Radio. of an empire, and you rely on the slavery of your people to keep you rich and powerful, but you see your people waking up and starting to show dissent, what would you do if you wanted to stay in power? You would sure hope that they forget about it. You would want to distract them, or even better, turn them against each other so that they forget about their original cause. The mainstream media, which we all know is in the business of maintaining the status quo, is doing a great job at doing just that. Advanced, progressive, urban, political talk radio. Politicians who are characterized more and more by legalized bribery and normalized corruption vis-a-vis that big money. By a corporate media that ensures that it's a culture of superficial spectacle but no serious public debate and public conversation for the issues that really matter for the future of the nation, but especially the future of the vast majority of the nation who are working class and poor. Or a serious discussion about drones that drop bombs on innocent peoples. Or increasing police powers that allow persons, Americans, to be assassinated without due process or judicial review. Death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? This is The Alpha Show. Advanced, progressive, urban, political talk radio on TruthWorks Network. There is but one rule. Hunt or be hunted. But one thing you can't deny. These people are sabotaging this economy. And people are sabotaging this country. This is awful. Hosting the best of pushback talk radio. And now, the man who's got their number. Alpha. Well, good evening, good evening, and welcome to another edition of the Alpha Show here at True Folks Network, where the truth must be spoken more than once. I am, um, I am informed that um, there is no show scheduled. I've scheduled a show. I thought I started the show, but I'm here at the TruthWorks Network site, and it has nothing for upcoming broadcasts. 
So, if that is the case, and it very well may be, this will go for naught. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And let me just say this. Um, I will carry on to a, as much as I possibly can. And uh, hopefully this broadcast is being heard. I was told the show was there by Blog Talk Radio, but um, we shall see, but we shall see. Um, There seems to be a, yeah, there it is. It says 2.13 today, 10 p.m. Eastern, that's today. So, I don't know what's going on. Hopefully, this broadcast is live and it's coming through. I have absolutely... No way of knowing unless unless and until someone enters or not enters the chat room. And um, I see only one person in the chat room, and that is myself. So maybe something has gone awry, but um, we shall see what we shall see. Until I can really verify this, there's no sense in me beating my head against the wall here. So I will this. Ain't I clean? 
unheard messages. First unheard message. Hey, calling to see where you are, who you're with, and what you're up to. I haven't heard from you since lunch, and it's almost four now. Call me back. Third unheard message. I know you're hanging out with your friends. You aren't supposed to hang out with them if I'm not there with you. Are you trying to hide something from me? If you really cared about me, you'd let me know where you are. You need to call me back right now. Eighth unheard message. You need to call me right now. You can't just go off and hang out with your friends and not tell me. And you can't ignore me like this. I'm going to keep calling till you pick up. Don't you dare ignore me. Constantly checking up on you, demanding all your time, extreme jealousy, controlling who you spend time with, know the signs of abuse, don't remain silent, think about it, talk about it, take action, call 1-888-336-9591. Well, 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 we've had some technical difficulties here, and hopefully I have solved them, or the CEO has called in and has solved them. Um, I would hope that uh, this would um, have a have a I would call it a one of those moments because that's exactly what this is one of those moments. Um, I have. Uh, since I had to refresh my studio, I've had to really just rework or my secretary, reworked everything. But uh, let's get underway with this program. Um, after the technical difficulties, uh, let's just hope that we have a A rest of the show, good moment. Okay? <laughs> okay, let me start off with um, the beginning of the show. Let me start all over. And uh, it runs like this. Uh, my good friend, my big sister, and the CEO of Truth Works Network is being pounded by Mother Nature. And uh, the last reports I got or I was understand was um, they have been they're expecting another 12 to 16 inches of snow in the greater Boston area, and more than that, a little further north of Boston. And um, somebody's pissed Mother Nature off up there. Somebody's pissed Mother Nature off, and. The weather here in Chicago is taking a turn for the worse. The wind chill factor is below is a minus, I'll call it a minus whatever, because it's just as cold as hell out there. And I can only say that uh, we, ain't, we ain't coming out. I did go out earlier today. I thought I knew the temperature was falling. But... Um, uh, it goes out to the northeast, northeastern part of the United States, where they are getting pounded with uh, 
the most snow in their history when it comes to Boston and possibly the rest of that region. Even Buffalo, New York hasn't um, experienced, and I say that without knowing their snow history, but just damn. How much snow do they think? They're dumping snow into the ocean. This, come on, man. <laughs> what is that? And let me put it, let me um, bring this to you because I wasn't feeling bad, but this was the feel good moment of my day today. Single mom, single mom of four has won $188 million in Powerball. There were three winners of the record $564 million Powerball. And there's a single mom of four who claims she has the winning ticket, although she hasn't turned it in yet. Well, just let me say this. First of all, I am happy Happy as hell for most moms of the world. Rejoice, as the article reads. One of our own has hit the jackpot. Mother of four, Marie Holmes, has come forward to say she won $188 million in the Powerball's $564 million drawing on Wednesday. (laughs) As she uh, states, she thought she was going to have a heart attack when she saw the ticket. Twenty-six. Year old from Charlotte, North Carolina, told uh, WECT the next day, showing a reporter her golden ticket. Holmes, well, Holmes hasn't officially verified as a winner yet. She added that her reaction gave her sons and girls a real fright. She began yelling and screaming that um, she was telling the kids that they didn't have to struggle anymore. The young lady was unemployed because she had to quit her job at Walmart and McDonald's to care for her children. When I say this is a feel-good story, that's exactly what it is to me, a feel-good story. She says, I've been struggling since I have been, but I wouldn't trade anything because they're a blessing. I am thankful that I can actually do for them without anybody's help. Well, Miss Holmes, I am happy for you, but Miss Holmes, I do believe uh, you've made a serious mistake. The story goes on. Miss Holmes can choose to take her one hundred and eighty-eight million in an annuity paid over thirty years. <laughs> Fat chance, according to North Carolina Lottery's Twitter page, or as a hundred and twenty-seven million lump sum before state and federal taxes are withheld. The other two tickets were purchased in Puerto Rico and in Texas. Either way, Ms. Holmes and her children are set for life. Now, at age 26, I worry about, you know, that adage, a fool and their money are soon parted. She has her face her face is um, public. Her circumstances are public. And 
I just have to say, honey, if you don't get a buffer between you, because the um, wolves are at the door, the the hounds are at the gate, and they are headed your way. She lives in North Carolina, in um, what is it, Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina, not Charlotte. Let me make sure. Shallowit, Shallowit, North Carolina. They are headed her way. Every grifter, every scammer, every. She's opened up a can of worms because she is the target of greed. She will be the target of greed because right now she's been exposed. She's exposed herself. Her happiness gave way to her thinking. And I think, um, although I'm happy as hell for her, I think she has, um, she's made one of her first large era, her second large era. And, um, I really don't give a damn. But um, before her, she states before her spending starts on her new home, she wants to buy her brood and open her funds for her children and savings. She says she plans to pay her tithes. She plans to give millions to the church. To the church. Somebody coming. Somebody just come and stand on either side of me and hold me up. Hold me up. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Because I don't want it. um, To spill out that somehow I am. (laughs) At that church like I give a damn. If you really want to know the difference, uh, her identity and keeping her identity secret and her winning secret was her biggest Trump card. And her ace of Trumps just got jumped by the big joker, all of you Beardless fans out there, because she has given that up. Her biggest, her, her strength or secrecy, and um, she has she that is a no more. Okay, with the technical difficulties I had um, earlier, I have to um, rework the program as I was jumping into it. The vaccinations. There are 22, 22 cases of mumps in Idaho, and that have spread to Washington, to the state of Washington. There are over, over 160 cases of measles all around the country. This inability of this nation to 
kind of stay with reason and logic is about to destroy, literally destroy this nation. And I got to tell you, it's all coming full circle. It's all coming. We will eat ourselves. We will destroy ourselves. No foreign army. We will do it to ourselves. The American people have been the victims a insidious evil game of politics and ideology. The Democratic Party, a pathetic, pathetic bunch of rich people. And that goes for including the Congressional Black Caucus who, who can't see that all of those other members of Congress are richer than they are. They have enriched themselves more. The Democratic Party has lost the messaging war since Ronald Reagan. When Jimmy Carter was still president, they began to lose this war. And I'm going to try to lay out some and ongoing, because it's continuing. It's still going on. It's still going on. Think about it. Think about it. Our embassy in Iran was overrun. And the Iranians took hostages. These hostages were held. Two years Now, these hostages were released on Inauguration Day with Ronald Reagan. And here's the spiel. Ronald Reagan cut a deal with the Iran. The Iranians. If they would release the hostages on Inauguration Day, once he won the election, he would pay them back. He would be in their debt. And this is all part of this conspiracy because he paid them fast forward and enter the Iran Contra. And on, um, and this was a piece written by um, Charlie Pierce, Esquire magazine. And the piece is on November 29th, 2011. And I go back this far simply to try to lay this out. It was 25 years ago today that President Ronald Reagan and his Attorney General Edwin Meese got up before the press and told a series of half-truths and demonstrable lies about what their administration had been doing up to as regards to dealing with Iran and how some of the money from the dealings had found its way to the Contra rebels, them fighting Reagan's proxy war in Nicaragua. So 
Ronald Reagan, for Iran's cooperation in releasing the hostages on Inauguration Day, sold Iran weapons, missiles. So Ronald Reagan sold missiles to um, a group of terrorists. And when I say a group of terrorists, because that's essentially what they were. And through the freedom of information, it remains a great lost opportunity if the crimes of what became known as Iran-Contra scandal had been investigated the way they should have been, which is to say, had there been investigated all the way up to the criminal indictments to the top of the executive branch, impeachment inquiries into the conduct of relevant officials, including the president, the political world would have been changed utterly, as Mr. Yeats once put it. The ongoing project of turning Reagan into a secular saint at least would have been slow to a crawl had an inquiry proven in court that he engaged in peddling arms to a terrorist-sponsoring state. Instead, we all went nutty on the subject of terrorism in the aftermath of 9-11 attacks. Iran-Contra hardly got a mention. And to this day, people seem more concerned about Muslim influence on butterball turkeys than the fact that St. Ronnie once sold missiles to the mullahs. George H.W. Bush's administration might have never happened. Right. Had Ronald Reagan been exposed as the traitor that he was. Ronald Reagan was a traitor. The Bush administration, H.W. Bush, would have never happened. It would have never happened. But what we saw was an impotent, democratic, Agenda when they fell for the likes of politics stops at the nation's shores. Is that, is that still the case? Criminalization of the Constitution, the crimes that are the inevitable results of a theory of unitary executives might have encouraged the nation to ignore the ravens of authoritarian in and of itself is a war was the beginning because once Ronald Reagan was dug in, he went on to begin the war on the unions. And once the war on the unions began, look at look at where it's look at where it is. Just look at where it is. The unions are whittled down to nothing. 
The middle class is almost extinct. The greed and the income inequity has swollen to assist big enough to cover the globe. Talk to me about just the numbness and stupidity of and the lack of messaging from a Democratic Party who's had the truth, the best, who's had them red-handed, their entire ideology should have been exposed. And it just reeks of malfeasance by a Democratic Party that really had absolutely nothing when it came to ambitious or ambitions to govern. And that's where people don't get it. People don't understand that once Ronald Reagan was able to escape, destroy the unions, begin the destruction of the unions, I'll say, he was also at the same time assembling the propaganda machine. Because they had all the pieces, all the people and the pieces in place. And they began to consolidate the airwaves, audio, video, print. They were able to begin this downward slide of the middle class. And they did it with no interference, no interference from the Democratic Party and some duplicity. So the Democratic Party has basically been complicit because let's not forget, they're a bunch of rich guys too. And we don't seem to be able to connect the dots. Nobody can connect the numbers. Because what we have is a Democratic Party that won't speak up and are either afraid or too shy to say a word when it comes to just not giving up. And that's what they've done. They've given up. There's no way that we should be in the fix that we're in. Republicans control the Congress. And just let me say this. When you control the Congress like you do, you will never do anything. If they can obstruct for six years, bring the country to a gridlock, sabotage the economy, and still win, it's checkmate. Game over. Because this is what they've done. This is exactly what they've done. As the Democratic Party. And I got to tell you, 
intent. They need to fire those in charge of the DNC. the P triple C, the Democratic Governance Association, all of them. All of them. They need to bring back people like Howard Dean. They need to bring back people who will fight. Howard Dean wasn't so much a fighter, he was a strategist. They need some people to fight. They need people like Alan Grayson. They need people like yes, Anthony Weiner. Because if he didn't get by with a few selfies of his private parts, if the Republicans can get by with all the clown with their clown car, Anthony Williams should be in the mix. And to be quite honest, to be frank with you, Democrats have simply dropped the ball. Dropped the ball, fumbled, kicked it, did everything else they could, have a strategy to win the perception of the American people. Now, half the people in America believe all kind of crazy crap. Have you seen the, it's coming out with bills that food service workers don't have to wash their hands when they come from the bathroom. That um, men are a better cut of meat than women. All of these crazy, Nonsensical things. That's what drives the news. That's basically what or creates this confusion. It's this cloud that we're in, that the nation is in. Yes, 11 million jobs the president has added. Unemployment is what? 5.7 now? But the only thing they could say was, it ticked up from 5.6. Oh, that's bad. And that's what goes for responsible journalists. You cannot tell me that these people are that stupid when it comes to when it comes to messaging. And just they passed the the Keystone Pipeline Bill and it's headed for the president's desk. I want you to I, I this particular this particular clip did not escape me because this is one of the things that I said would happen. I want you to listen to this. And it's about to get a, a real workout, even beyond that, because today it was that bill signing. But next, President Obama is gearing up for his first presidential veto of major legislation. Uh, He's going to veto the bill that would force approval of the Keystone Pipeline. That bill got final approval from Congress yesterday. It's not clear exactly when President Obama will veto it. Republicans in Congress want to make as big a deal as possible about the fact that he's going to veto it. So they're going to draw this out as long as possible, even though they have already technically passed the bill. Once they do decide to president do decide to send it to President Obama, and he does veto it as promised. Republicans now say they're just going to pass it again after the veto. And they say they're going to pass it again after the veto, and that if he vetoes that, they're just going to pass it again and again and again and again and again and again. Just like the repeal Obamacare bill that they've now passed at least 56 times. 
the pipeline bill's chief sponsor, Senator John Hoven, uh, said maybe what they'll do next after the veto is they'll attach the Keystone thing to some other bill, or maybe they'll put it into a must-pass appropriations bill, or maybe they'll put Keystone into every single bill in Congress from here on out. Who knows? So this is going to start with President Obama's veto, but then it's going to get really fun. So says Senator John Hoven. And Senator John Hoven uh, knows from pipelines. His home state of North Dakota has thousands of miles of crude oil pipelines. It has thousands of miles of natural gas pipelines. They also have 20,000 miles of small pipelines called gathering pipelines that serve as the connectors between all those other pipelines and the, the drilling sites where the stuff comes from. Last month, a drilling company discovered that one of its small gathering pipelines near the town of Williston, North Dakota, had burst open. This was a little pipeline. It was only a four-inch pipeline. But when it burst, it caused the state's largest ever spill of toxic drilling brine. Three million gallons of brine that's ten times as salty as seawater, full of toxic gunk and heavy metals and has crude oil mixed into it. Three million gallons of it all dumped into a creek that feeds into the Missouri River. Biggest ever spill of that kind. Here's the thing, though. That pipeline was less than a year old when it burst. State-of-the-art pipeline. It had also never been inspected. And now we know why. At the time that pipeline burst, for all those 20,000 miles of pipeline in that state, the state of North Dakota had precisely zero pipeline inspectors. Zero. The legislature approved funding for three inspector jobs for those kind of pipelines. But as of January, when that one burst, all the pipeline jobs were vacant. Now, we, we covered this on the show last month after that giant brine spill. And then we decided to try to find out who, if anyone, had applied for these inspector jobs that the state has on the books, but nobody was actually in them. Uh, we made a formal request to the state to see the applications of people who applied for those jobs. Uh, and it was some very friendly, very helpful North Dakota officials who provided those applications to us under their state's open records law. Uh, here's what we learned. Between July and January, a total of 21 people applied for those jobs. 21 people applied for one of these three pipeline inspector jobs listed by the state of North Dakota. Uh, just last month, they did fill one of the three jobs. So there's now one inspector for those 20,000 miles of gathering pipeline. As for the other two positions, the state says they just have not found enough qualified candidates. Now, I obviously am no expert on what makes a qualified pipeline inspector. Uh, there do seem to be some lovely, hard-working folks with nice resumes among the applicants that we have reviewed. There's 21 applicants. Come on, North Dakota. State officials did decline to offer us their thoughts on why they are having trouble finding the right candidates, even as people are applying for the jobs. But consider this. The department that oversees the state's larger pipelines, they have explained what's going on with their vacant inspector jobs. They say they have trouble keeping inspectors for the larger pipelines in the state, because every time they get somebody into the job, that person leaves for a better paying job in the oil industry. That larger pipeline inspector position, that one's also open right now. That job pays up to $96,000 a year. Uh, the one for the smaller pipelines, that one pays $51,000 a year. $51,000 a year is, is good money, right? But when you are competing with the most profitable industry the Earth has ever known, yeah, maybe 51K isn't enough to hold on to people. Yeah, you might have to pay a little more.
On that point, one North Dakota official told us, quote, the pipeline industry is a competitive industry. We have and will continue to work to make the position salaries as competitive as possible. But as of tonight, there are still these two open positions. And if there are any experienced or aspiring pipeline inspectors out there, North Dakota says they would like to know from the... Okay. All still $3 million. North Dakota. Your senator, Republican, North Dakota, simply says that they're going to poison pill every bill. Appropriations, funding for Department of Homeland Security, they're going to poison pill everything. Here you have one party who is willing to destroy. They're not going to define, they're not going to fund the Department of Homeland Security. So they're going to lay off all the TSA people. They're going to, I mean, why wouldn't that be a national security issue? Why wouldn't the president step in and say, oh, hell no, to protect the nation? We're going to fund the Department of Homeland Security. And I know, I know, there's a matter of who controls the purse strings. And constitutionally, it's supposed to be the House of Representatives. But they have shirked that duty. And when I say they've shirked that duty, they want to include in these funding bills their political agenda. So when it's vetoed, the nation is open and exposed to terrorist attack as Democrats sit silent. They're going to hold the nation hostage for the next two years of this president's term. And what this president doesn't have the courage to do is to stand and fight these people. They are still holding the Loretta Lynch nomination they won't vote on it. They voted on uh, a new defense secretary. Loretta Lynch has been waiting the longest of any of his nominees. Harry Reid could have voted on her nomination. But, of course, Harry Reid, he's a coward. That's the only way I can put it. He is a coward. Just because you have a new Senate coming in and you lost, that's no, you, you push your agenda through. And that, and that other coward, Eric Holder. And I call him a coward because he simply won't do what he should do. If they are so sick and tired of him, force them to vote on Loretta Lynch, and you force them to vote by charging John Boehner was the violation of the Logan Act. Now, you let it be known. If I'm not here, he probably won't be charged. The indictment will be dropped because violating protocol and violating the Logan Act is exactly what John Boehner has done in writing 
Netanyahu to speak to Congress. Oh, that is our right. But your right stops when you undermine the foreign policy of a sitting president. So look up the Logan Act, because John, uh, John Boehner has violated the Logan Act, period. When you get right down to it, this is a two-edged sword, an offense, an offensive push by Republicans to settle and get their way, regardless of country. And an impudent Democratic Party who simply won't fight them back, along with an impudent president. You know, his State of the Nation address was very, very good, grandiose, great speech. But the same State of the Nation address that he gave is about six years too late. When he had the House when he had 59 senators, and without Lieberman and all of the blue dogs, he still had 51. And let them know, we won't back you. We will not back you. We will support a primary challenge for you. Either you get in line on our agenda, or we'll simply leave you out. Branch Lincoln found out that way. Now Mary Landrieu and the other uh, Arkansas senator, Mark Pryor, he's found out the hard way for he's lost his job. So we, back and forth, back and forth we are. And we continue to allow them to frame the narrative of bad government. Yes, government is bad when it's been corrupted. When you have a revolving door, just like the MMA was a bad agency filled with drugs, sex parties, and the whole nine yards. That's bad government. Nobody likes bad government. And it was bad government that we've been getting since greed has grasped the political scene. And now with all of the bad government, with government successfully being demonized and vilified, successfully, because government can do no good. And when you have stories like the CDC and what the CDC has been up to see is not so much the government is bad, it's what and who's doing what in the name of government. And we just got to pay attention. Somebody has to say something. Somebody has to do something. 
and I don't know who's going to do it. I don't know who's going to say it. Who's going to make that call? I know. 914-338-1610. If you got a question, if you got a comment, if you simply want to challenge, I'll take your call after this break. I Declare Show is where we deal with the difficult, real raw, right now. If it's real raw right now, Talk Media, come on, baby, say it with me. It can only be the I Declare Show. Talk soon. Join my friend and colleague on Blog Talk Radio every Tuesday night at 9 p.m., the I Declare Show with India Declare. Are you breathing oxygen in? Are you raising the energy up? Or are you bringing the energy down? There's no middle ground. It's your real, raw, and right now talk radio. I Declare Show, Tuesdays, 9 p.m., Blog Talk Radio. I declare it. Dealing with the difficult, real raw right now. The I Declare Show, baby. You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Is it time for you to upgrade your topic? Our Common Ground, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Empowering Black America to achieve itself. Our Common Ground, where friends come to meet comrades. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Each Saturday, 10 p.m., Our Common Ground, powering up on Black Thought. TruthWorks Network is the university on the air at Blog Talk Radio. We know what to do with radio. TruthWorks Network. Well, welcome back. Um. Programming, join in the Declare, Tuesday evenings, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, the I Declare Show, host India Declare at Blog Talk Radio. Our Common Ground, tomorrow night, has been canceled. Host Janice Graham is snowed in. And I don't think she's going to get out big out of this one anytime soon. But uh, Janice is a little under the weather. So I can only say that I hope that we can, everybody just pray that she gets better and we can uh, resume our history lessons. Yes, I learned a great deal listening to our common ground. The guest which Janice seems to come up with, like I've told you before, she knows everybody. I I was 
out shoveling snow the other day and got into a conversation with a complete stranger. And they knew Janice Graham. <laughs> and I'm here in Chicago. But like I said, Janice knows everyone. She's a little under the weather. So the show tomorrow evening will not broadcast. And Janice, we hope you get better. But um, until then, grab a shovel and take your grandprints out and um, get to uh, shoveling away. Because it's, it's ugly. It's ugly there in Boston. And it's just too much snow to deal with. Right. Take it take it from someone who knows what too much snow looks like. You know, uh, <laughs> I got uh, a few pictures of Janice's youngest grandson I could show. There's a whole lot of walk, a whole lot of driveway for him to show. But uh, he was up for the task. And I would just hope that uh, Mother Nature would get their, her foot off their necks. <laughs> Uh, that's a great reason not to come out. Just stay in. So hope it all gets better up there. And um, we can just get to um, trying to push back. You know, that's one of the things that that I've advocated since I've started doing these broadcasts was the importance, the pushback. And like I laid out, when they took the hostages in Iran, Reagan cut the deal, and if you let him go, he was in cahoots with the terrorist state. He sold arms to that terrorist And now look at where we are. Because had Reagan been stopped, H.W. Bush would not, wouldn't even be. And if H.W. Bush wasn't, W. Bush would have never prevailed. And the peace and prosperity ushered in by the Clinton administration, even though NAFTA and CAFTA were very, very bad. Even though the eight years of the Bush, W. Bush administration was so devastating to the middle class, unions are been decimated. And the war on unions continues, as does the war on women, schools, children, Republicans are passing bills to cut more food stamps. Republicans are passing bills to add $100 billion to the deficit. Oh, get, get the, get the uh, veto pen out. And see, the Obama administration needs to understand one thing. You've shown the nation can turn around. Now show that the Republicans can put us right back to where we were. Just veto everything. Everything they bring out, either it's your way or it's a veto. And if the nation 
let every damn bridge fall that has to fall and keep pressing for infrastructure repair. That's what they should be doing now, declaring that bridges will fall and people will die. Just like it was a government takeover of the health care, which it wasn't, the truth of the matter is people will die if bridges fall. The Republican Party, and this is the killingest part about it, the Republican Party voted $50 billion for Iraqi infrastructure repair and nothing for you for the United States. You see, there is so much information, truthful, honest information, that Democrats can use. The low-hanging fruit that has been allowed to fall on the ground is, is just staggering. It's just staggering. You got the clown car, the new clown car. They just painted the old clown car uh, a bright red. It was yellow last time. Now it's a bright red, and they got had to add a little, a little more to this clown car because the baggage is bigger. Christie is there, but the clown car Christie vaccinations should be voluntary. And I have a, uh, I have a clip, and I almost didn't load this clip because this man's voice is just so damn irritating to me. It is so damn irritating to me that I almost just said the hell with it. I'm not going to I'm not going to use that clip. And the particular clip speaks about a whistleblower. And this whistleblower came forward. And it it it's had a devastating effect on so many children. And I labeled this particular piece, I labeled it deadly corruption because that's exactly what it is, deadly corruption. And the voice on this piece is that of uh, Ring of Fire host, one of their hosts, um, Robert Kennedy Jr. Now, I want you to listen to this piece because this basically basically says the whole says it all. When you have corrupt government, when you have a revolving door from the industry to the government regulators, the government regulators are corrupt because they come from the industry that they're supposed to be overseeing. And this is a classic example. But Robert Kennedy's voice just he just grades at my nerves. A lot of people, a lot of Americans, very concerned about the impact of this drug, which is found in vaccines, and how it causes autism. Talk about it's that. A, it's a, so aerosol is a preservative that was put in vaccines back in the 1930s. Almost immediately after it was put in, autism cases began to appear. Autism had never been known before. It was unknown to science. Then the vaccines were increased in 1989 by the CDC and by a couple of other government agencies. Okay, let me stop you there. That's an important date, and I'll tell you why. My, my son, born in 1991, 
uh, has a, a slight form of autism called Asperger's. But it seems, and again, when I was practicing law, and also when I was in Congress, parents would constantly come to me, and they'd bring me videotapes of their children, and they were all around the age of my son That's or exactly. younger. The generation so happened in 1989. Exactly. The generation, what happened was the vaccine schedule was increased. We went up from receiving about 10 vaccines in our generation to these kids receive 24 vaccines. And they all had this thimerosal in them, this mercury, and nobody bothered to do an analysis of what the cumulative impact of all that mercury was doing to kids. As it turns out, we are injecting our children with 400 times the amount of mercury that FDA or EPA considers safe. A, a child on his first day that he's born um, is injected with a hepatitis B shot. Under EPA guidelines, he would be, have, to, have to be 275 pounds to safely absorb that shot. And, and, and yet we're just constantly pumping our kids and, with these vaccines. Where's right, the and what happened, what happened was that um, in 1988, one in every 2,500 American children had autism. Today, one in every 166 children have autism. And plus, one in six children have other kinds of learning disorders, uh, other kinds of neurological disorders, speech delay, language disorders, ADD, hyperactivity, that all seem to be connected, that are all connected, the science shows are all connected to but, autism. You know, Bobby, uh, what we've always found, you and I could, could debate a thousand different issues, whether it's Terry Schiavo or the environment, I think would agree on the environment. Um, but in this case, you've got the federal government coming in saying, well, there's no, really, there's no good science. And, of course, in politics, science always gets diluted. Why hasn't the federal government stepped up and, well, and, is, and worked more? Because, listen, Bobby, I can't prove it tonight. You can't prove it. But intuitively, you look at the spike. You look at what happened with the Marisol. There is no doubt in my mind, maybe it's two years from now. Maybe it's five years from now. Maybe it's ten years from now. We're going to find out that the Marisol causes, in my opinion, autism. You know what? The science is out there today for anybody who bothers to read it. And I, I have read it actually on my website this week, robertfkennedyjr.com. I'm publishing an article that goes through all of the science. Um, but the science is clear. And what happens is I read the science at first, and there's literally hundreds and hundreds of studies that connect thimerosal to, you know, to these disastrous neurological disorders. Then I went, I talked to the scientists, then I went and I talked to the federal bureaucrats who are defending Thimerosal, and I said, what are you relying on? And I looked at the science they're relying on, and I can tell you, Joe, it is so weak. And you and I have seen, you know, in legal practice, when junk science, and we know, you know, what these phony scientists are who create this stuff. It happened in big tobacco. Right. Tobacco. It happens in big oil. And this it's is happening in global warming. And, and now it's happening in a way that's impacting is, our kids' lives. This is classic tobacco science. It is junk science. And I was looking at these reports and saying, this is the best. This is what you're relying on. They know it's fraudulent. Okay. And now we have the transcript. Expl explain it to me, Bobby, okay? I mean, explain it to me. If that's the case, okay, you, you and I both know about politics, obviously. Politicians like to get reelected. Why are they sitting back and if, if, if our children are being poisoned, if the science is there, why are they sitting back and letting our children uh, be poisoned? Because the, 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 the same regulatory bureaucrats that green-lighted uh, Flint Marisol originally 
are now trying to cover their tracks. It's a CYA operation. Right, and they're working with the pharmaceutical industry, and we now have the transcripts of this secret meeting that they did in Simpson with Georgia in the year 2000, and it's the most horrifying thing that you can read, Joe. There are scientists there from the government who are saying, who are reading the reports and saying, we can, this is undeniable, there is no, there is no, um, there's no way we can ever deny this, I'm not going to give this to my children, but now let's hide this from the American people. And it's, you know, it is that clear, and this is what I write about. It's this, this language that I, you know, that I write about in the Rolling Stone piece and the Salon piece that, you know, is so shocking, where we have the guys who are supposed to be protecting Americans' health who are actually conspiring to keep this stuff in the vaccines. You know, and I can't say what lawsuit we were both involved in. I don't want to say it, but it reminds me of a lawsuit we were involved in a couple of years ago regarding water quality, where you know the people that polluted in our community and then left our community would have never drank the water that our children grew up drinking. And it's, it's a disaster. It's a disgrace. So, uh, hey, Bobby, thanks for being here tonight. I, I want you to, if you can come back, we need to talk more about this. And also I want to talk about, and I'm going to hold up the book now. We actually lured Bobby in to say that we were going to talk to him about this book, uh, but actually he said he wanted to talk about this instead. Um, I appreciate you being here, Bobby, as always, and uh, let's get you back. Now, it's a marathon. I posted in the chat room. It's a YouTube clip. And this YouTube clip is the CBC News. That MMR vaccines cause autism. This comes from a whistleblower, a whistleblower himself, who simply calls it out. And he describes, through, as you heard Robert F. Kennedy Jr. state, they have the transcripts. This whistleblower is trying to get before. Congress. He's applied for uh, whistleblower status protection in the whole nine yards. And Big Pharma. Now, this is Big Pharma's skeletons in the closet. You've got Big Pharma with mercury laden vaccines. And they've introduced into these vaccines, and did you hear uh, Kennedy say that in our generation, we were getting about 10 of these shots. Now it's up to 24, and that autism was one in every 2,500. Now it's one in every 168. That's why someone has rang the alarm. Someone has muddied the waters on vaccinations. So now we return. They get their country back because we get the measles, we get the mumps, and now German measles with diphtheria. Can it be far behind? But, oh, let's not let Ebola in. Let's cut off flight the whole nine yards. When I say it's about who wants to govern, who wants to rule, this is exactly what it is. This is exactly what it is. This is another instance where 
corporation, Big Pharma, has influenced for profit. And children have died. The lives of people have been destroyed because someone preferred to make a dollar. You were basically collateral damage. Children were used as collateral damage. When you can't get an inspector in a state with 20,000 miles of pipeline, you're going to have a spill. When you have an MMA that was supposed to inspect the deep water horizon, but yet they were having drug and sex parties with the lobbyists, you're going to get bad government. And there is no one who is taking their money that is going to hold them accountable for the deaths and for the sick children and for the people's lives that they have destroyed. And that's the way bad government gets a bad name instead of efficient government. They muddy the waters. They make the Issues so complex. Layer after layer of corruption, layer after layer of lies, and the need for someone to step forward. And more than one person has to step forward because as soon as someone, one person steps forward, he is swallowed. Swallowed. By a sea of negative publicity. They know what they have done is wrong. This particular link that I put up in the chat room, the YouTube link, starts out with the infamous syphilis case on African-Americans. And it shows the, the CDC was involved and did nothing and said nothing. And there you have your bad government. Bad government is as much connected to this greed. The people mean absolutely nothing. The people's rights mean absolutely nothing, as you see with the murder of minorities by law enforcement. Who are you? Who are we to stand in the way of rich, powerful corporations? who are looking to make that dollar and make that bottom line. 914-338-1610. Let's see, I got a hand up here. 312, thank you for calling the Alpha Show. Welcome to TruthWorks Network. Uh-oh, hold on, Alpha. I'm trying to get to you. Hold on. Alpha, is that you? Alpha. Yeah. Hey, this is House, brother. How are you doing tonight? House, how are you doing this evening? Trying to stay warm. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> give that update on Janice. Um, yeah, uh, they're getting this year kind of what we had last year. Um, but we had no. it over, what, five no. months? I think no. they're getting it all in 30 mm-hmm. days. 
No, no, they didn't. Well, they, they, theirs was much, much worse. How you have, yeah. you have at least sixty inches of snow that have fallen in two and a half weeks. Mhm. That's the whole. That was our whole season, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, that's, that's even more than our whole season. They're getting everything we had over our whole season in 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 one month in thirty days. And yeah, it it looks really really bad. And I hope she's good. Um, I hope she got a snowblower and some fireplace they can't and a whole bunch the, of logs. Um, <laughs> they can't get the snowblower out of the garage. <laughs> <laughs> that's bad. That's really bad. <laughs> I, I thought I would um, take a I thought I would take a jab at her husband, Steven. She won't let me talk to Stephen. Uh, I've been lobbying to talk to Stephen for the longest. Stephen, uh-huh. if you can hear me, call me. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. and poor Stephen, I tell you. I mean, that much snow, and you, we we get our stick in '79, and I don't know, were you around in '67? How? Uh, I was born in '67, but I remember the oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember the 77. Um, that was the 70, 77. That's the 79. No, right, the 79. 79. I remember that one. Yeah, I was, about, I was a kid. I was playing in it. Look, it was enough snow in 79. Um, I used to climb up on our garage and be able to run across the garage and jump off and jump off into the snow. It was high it's enough. I didn't get hurt. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was, I had a ball. But to be an well, adult, well, I have to go back. Well, think about this, Al. Think about this. In 1967, when we weren't even close to being prepared for that type of snowfall, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the traffic on 87th Street or the traffic on yeah. 79th Street, but house, there were cars sideways. It looked like one of those after the nuclear blast, where you, right. even buses were turned sideways in the street. There was <laughs> nothing moving, absolutely. Yeah. In 67, there was nothing moving. There was snow, so much snow on the ground here in 67 that on the block in which I lived, everybody, every house, every Everybody came out to shovel the sidewalk and the streets. Mm-hmm. There were there were uh, trenches like World War One, right? And you had a side the trench. The sidewalks were shoveled. The sidewalk from the house to the curb was shoveled. Mm-hmm. And anybody who didn't come out and shovel their car was covered. But the streets were, our street was covered, and everything else was just a crapshoot throughout the entire city. And that's the only way, that's the only thing I can see it being there in Boston, especially on the side streets, because there's just no way and no place to put all of that snow. Yeah, yeah, at some point, yeah, everything just gets blocked up. Uh, I remember my mother telling me stories of that because uh, she was actually pregnant with me. Uh, carrying me in that snowstorm, and she got stuck. She was one of those people that got stranded, <clears throat> stranded um, somewhere on the south side, trying to make it home. I think she was working for a phone company back in the day, um, pregnant with me, and on a bus. 
and it got stranded. And um, I think she ended up having to walk home um, about a mile or two. So, yeah. She hit the seven with no joke. <laughs> yeah, every time, every time she got mad at me, she used to tell me, um, she used to remind me how she carried me <laughs> in a blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> Walking home pregnant in the cold and how I better behave and better be grateful. You know, it pretty much almost worked, too. <laughs> so, yeah, these Chicago winners, um, you know, they they some serious business when they start coming down. So I can only feel for the people out in Boston, man. That's that's nasty. It just looks nasty. But look at every year, how? Look at what's happening every year. How many years ago was that when the hurricane swept up the East Coast? And how many times has a hurricane hit our shores as widely as this, as that, what do they call it, a nor'easter? I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous. And they, and you have a group of people funded by the corporate oil industry, the fossil fuel industry, that are denying climate change because they don't want to tax on their carbon emissions. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 you know, it's gone full circle. We've got the CDC that has been uh, infiltrated and corrupted by profiteering of big pharma. You've got the MMA, big oil, that has been infiltrated, corrupted, and has given us the uh, Gulf of Mexico, the the uh, horizon. I mean, mm-hmm. what's the thing that's going to do a whole week on the fallout of, on the Gulf? Ed Schultz is going to this whole next week's programming is going to be, mm-hmm. for, and I'm looking for, I'm looking for him to fire him over this, really. <laughs> I am looking for him, really, because what he is about to bring back into the spotlight, and I don't look mm-hmm. for CNN to say anything, but he's gone back down there to highlight the mm-hmm. damage, the destruction that this oil is, is re- reaping, and it's still on it's still on the bottom. It's still on the bottom yeah. of the of the Gulf. Yeah, I just read a story that they found some big, however many miles slick, or it was on the bottom, and it's just stuck there. They found where well, all the oil where, went. Yeah, that's where the correction. Remember the correction? Mm-hmm. They were spraying and and, right. and wasn't telling anyone, and don't tell anybody what's in it. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound just like the fracking liquids that they're forcing into the earth? All of these corporations have paid these politicians to set in place a series of laws that make them immune to prosecution. Mm-hmm. And that's what has to stop. That's what has to end. The total yeah, corruption I, I, of government. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with all that, man. You, you, you haven't um, misstated anything, um, you know the the moneyed interest, and um, you know the the upper one one thousandth of the one percent. You know the folks, the ruling, the true ruling class, the true money class. Um, you know they, they're protecting themselves, and uh, at the same time they're setting themselves up to make even more money. 
Um, you know, it's just well, it's it's what it is. Well, the same as the political class, and I'm sorry, and the political class is owned by the ruling class. You know, if poor people had money to, you know, buy a politician, you know, I guess technically it wouldn't be poor. But you know, if we had the the wherewithal, you know, to come in and and do what they do the way that they do it, then it may be a fair fight. But, you know, the average person just for whatever reason, um, you know, we don't have that we don't either have it or exercise it. Um one of these days I would love to hear one of these organizations come out and um make a plan and make the effort, um, legitimate effort as openly as um, Citizens United allows now to buy some politicians. And let's see what happens. Because um, we raise enough money. Um, they're always accusing labor. And one of the reasons they say they want to go out, well, we know they go after labor, you know, is because it is a big organized pool of money with a specific agenda that isn't the 1%. It isn't theirs. Um, I would much rather just hear them come out and say we're going to do exactly what they're going to do, and we we either going to we even going to do it the way Alan did it. Um, we're going to have some some ready laws and paperwork and um, written up by ourselves to benefit us. Um, so when we get someone in office, we don't have to um, find ourselves questioning. Well, what what are they going to do? What's their agenda going to be? How are they going to change this, that, and the other? One of my problems with uh, Barack, and when he first got in, and we're always, I'm always asking, well, how come he didn't do this, that, and the other um, versus Bush? Was we Bush had the Alex, and supposedly our side didn't have the Alex that had all that stuff planned and prepped, so there could be a, a resolution for the United Postal Service. You just take the um, the cap. Uh, or excuse me, for um, in, instead of uh, having to break it up or uh, uh, privatize it, um, which he's trying to do now, you know, you have your own your resolution. If you take the cap off Social Security and you have the problem to solve Social Security crisis, well, impending crisis 30 years down the road or whatever, you have all this stuff in place because you have your agenda and you have your own Alec that wrote the stuff out as opposed to, oh, I don't know, um, you know, playing this, you know, duh, we won, now what do we do? And, you know, yeah, well, up one time later and then get done. We need to have some kind of organization and some kind of plan because they got all this stuff written down. They know exactly what they're going to do and the steps to take to get it done, and we don't. Well, we don't. They push their agenda through by regardless of who, and don't give a damn who. Who 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 likes it or not? They don't give a damn, and that's where our problem is. That's 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 where our problem lies as progressives and liberals. They are not willing to piss the other side off. The other side is very happy and comfortable to piss to piss us off, and just laugh at our indignation. And that's where we are. Where one side is willing to be the victims of a beatdown, an ideological beatdown. And the other side is is confident in their agenda. And it's all wrong. And it's all proven wrong. Trickle down has failed. 
But that's not the drumbeat coming from the Democratic Party. That's not the drumbeat that says we got to go another way. 11 million jobs created by the stimulus package, by holding on to the auto industry, by all of the things that this president has accomplished to turn this economy around. Now, for Main Street America, hell no, it's not turned around because it's being obstructed. You bring in the infrastructure jobs, you tax the wealthy. How many Americans, the majority of Americans, want to tax the wealthy? They only want a one-shot tax on this money overseas. And they're talking at that as if that's going to change their lifestyle or if that's going to make a huge dent. Why are they nipping around the edges? Why are they just effing around? Why not hit them and hit them where it counts? If you don't, if you poison, kill all of the bills that have to be passed, the Defense Department, the appropriation bill, Okay, shut down the government. Don't fund defense and declare martial law and do it all your damn self. Be reasonable. If they won't do it, they have to, just like immigration. They didn't pass immigration. So now when he takes steps on his own, they're all up in arms. How many times have they, where's the, what happened with the first suit? And now he's talking about suing for immigration. I mean, it, it, it's 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 just a it's just a no win situation. House, I got another call up here, and uh, I think it's from a boss. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Well, so, uh, hey, uh, I, I want to put you, you on mute. Okay, all right, I'm gonna put you on mute so you can hear, because uh, I want to hear from her. <laughs> thanks, thanks, brother. All Appreciate right, thanks, thanks for your call, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Okay, let me see here. 617, 617. Have you dug out of the snow yet? 617? Are you there? 617. Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. Were you... Were you on mute? Um, headset don't work too good when you're lying down. But you take, you, 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 I have to take my time when I'm talking right now. But I wanted to call you to tell you the story about the tea. But before I tell you that story, you know, I always try to, I'm, I'm feeling a, a little better since I left the hospital um, this afternoon, this evening. But, um, and thank you for your concern, Uh, but I wanted to tell you, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Because I can barely hear myself. I can't talk very loud. That's why my show is canceled for tomorrow. Um, I I, I wanted our blog talk radio family to know that Chris Base lost his wife yesterday yeah. or today. Yeah, I saw that. And we should be sending our prayers and our 
Our condolences to him and his two girls. What a sad, sad thing to have happen. He's such a wonderful family. Okay. And so uh, I'm going to be posting on my website, the TruthWorks website, an address where we can send cards. So it's just a really sad time. I, I'm many of your listeners will remember Chris when he was with us at U.S. Talk Network. Um, And he is also in Chicago. The other thing I wanted to tell you, which is a big political uh, event that occurred. And, um, but before I tell you that, that, that what I really called to tell you about you take you take you take calls from drunks and and racists and women who are baking cakes and talking and that don't you know so anyway so uh the other is on the young woman god bless her who won the the powerball 488 million dollars or some extraordinary amount of money. She has made so many monumental mistakes. I have sent a message, a text message to Marissa, not Marissa, Melissa Harris-Perry, and and, um, William Darity, who is at... Charlotte. They are both in Charlotte to try to reach out to this woman and rein her in before she has to leave the planet in order to have any peace and before she blows all of this money in five years. Uh, I, I hope that Oprah reaches out to her and sends her financial team you know, you never tell people you you, you won that kind of money. You never even claim that kind of money until you have your financial empire all planned. She is now, if she retrieves that money before she does the right thing, the government is going to rake her. If she owns any student loans, any FHA mortgage foreclosures, they will. They are going to go back and research IRS everybody. Jesus, uh, I mean, this is what happens when we don't do. <coughs> excuse me, financial. See when I talk, try to talk normal. Financial, um, financial literacy in our public schools, so that people. I mean, even if schools played the game. You may you you won the Powerball, and let kids figure out what having money means, and how you control and manage it, and how it works in the world. Oh my God, I feel so bad for this young sister. So anyway, he is just she's twenty six years old. I know. He's twenty six years old. At twenty six years old, even. A well-educated. 
Yeah, I know. I know. It's, just, it's so sad. It's so sad. There's going to be a tragedy. There's going to be a tragedy around this. But anyway, Alpha, I just want to get this story out. Um, you know that we have had all this snow. And you know Boston, uh, Massachusetts has the largest and oldest public transportation system, the largest outside of New York City, and the oldest infrastructure in its transportation system. I mean, if you ride the Green Line in Boston, you could be riding a car that maybe is 70, uh, a train that's maybe 75 years old and has not been taken out of service. Part of that has to do with the old cars match the old rails and the old systems. So anyway, the story is a year ago, uh, Beverly Scott was hired as the general manager of the Metropolitan Massachusetts Metropolitan Transportation System, which covers all of the inner city train lines, bus lines, all over the state, all of the commuter rails, and the trains associated with Amtrak, and the transportation systems associated with commercial trucking, I'm sorry, busing. So here's a black woman, a graduate of Howard University. She got a master's at Fisk, um, <clears throat> who comes in to take over, as you, as everybody always already knows, the train, the the the. The transportation unions, workers, it's all part of the good old boy network of whether you are a (coughs) white collar or whether you are a blue collar, whether you're a union member or whatever you are in that system. So it has always in Boston been controlled by the Irish political Network that control the state house, or as I like to say, the Irish mob. Yes. So here we are with this black woman having been brought in by Deval Patrick, and they all had even it was a even bigger racial explosion that was contained. <coughs> um by the board because Deval Patrick had made a number of very key appointments to the to the to the to the board, transportation board that chooses who runs this thing. So anyway, she was doing fine. Everyone loved her up until we got these big snowstorms when all the equipment that politicians for over for over 30 years had been dibbling and dabbling and decreasing the budget for the T 
and all the old equipment that couldn't be replaced or repaired because of budget cuts. Um broke down in all of this over the last two weeks. Well, Beverly Scott, the governor is a new governor. He is a old blue-blood Bostonian who should never be the governor of anybody's state. He was the head of Massachusetts Blue Cross Blue Shield, and that is how he made his political bones as the CEO of Mass Blue Cross Blue Shield. The new mayor of Boston, who I must say is Miles' best friend, he actually does call Miles and ask him how is he doing and how are things going on. He was Miles shared a stage with him. Uh, and he, last spring, and he was very impressed with him, so he thinks he's Miles' best friend. Well, anyway, Marty Walsh, who is a union guy, who is really not ready for this job. And it's not because no one would be ready to try to disassemble Tom Menino's machine. The reason that Tom Menino, um, the reason that Tom Menino was able to, we were the we were the city where the snow moved. It got moved. The, the roads were cleared. Twenty four hours done because of party and political favors inside the Menino machine. Well, what happened over the last two weeks to Beverly Scott is an inexperienced, can't-find-the-men's-room, even even if he was given a map, Charlie Baker started putting, spending, spending it as though it was a Boston problem, getting the snow out of here. Then... Marty Walsh started pushing back, so Charlie Baker found another target, and it was Beverly Scott. All of a sudden, it was the general manager. But here's a caveat, and this is what I love and why even I'm going to pay for talking this long. The caveat is, and, and Stephen told me to tell you, he heard you, And he knows when to talk to you and when not to talk to you. So, anyway, Charlie Baker decided as the new governor, because these people know snow can make you or break you in a town like Boston, um, that he would start pointing the finger at Beverly Scott. Now, here's a woman who is considered one of the top experts in public transportation in the country. She came to Boston from Atlanta. She is a no-nonsense sister. She essentially played 
the game better than this neophyte Charlie Baker ever heard because he never he never got it on an African American on a sister's bid. She went to her board on on Tuesday, got a vote of confidence from her board, and Charlie Baker kept talking, calling her name, and on Wednesday she resigned. Sister Girl knew how to put these crackers right in their place. Well, her resignation does work. Takes her out of and she wasn't going to be their pawn. That's the point. Well, I know that. She just, I, well, she, find another excuse. And and they were all upset. They were all really upset because of the the system was so overloaded in Boston, in in metro in metropolitan Boston, that she shut down the tea for two days because the equipment. Could no could no longer handle the cleanup equipment. Couldn't handle. You see, one of the things that Boston has is a lot a lot of surface public transportation. I mean, you can ride from Wellesley, Massachusetts, all the way to downtown Boston on surface. Um, so what her resignation did was took her, you know, essentially she was saying, no, I don't have to take this yet. You're not going to use me as your patsy because the governor was not forthcoming with additional funds for non-snow removal purposes. And she needed equipment. <coughs> and over the last, I'm sorry, Alpha, I'm going to have to go, but over the last two weeks, that's what she's been telling them, and they're not listening. But because she's been telling this to them. Mm-hmm. She hasn't gone public. She, she hasn't gone public with it. No, she hasn't gone public with it. Um, she was trying to get them to see she had a plan. But, of course, a black woman ain't never got a plan that's worth anything, you know? Yeah. So, so I think I think she did the right thing at this stage in her career. I mean, they, they, they spent thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars recruiting her. So what she does, she goes out with a one-year salary, and uh, her bonus. And now because the, the white boy, the white boys wanted to play. I know more about this than you do. So that's that's my story. I would have spent. I probably would have had her on my show if I were going to be broadcasting tomorrow, but maybe next week. 
Well, damn it. You go and See, you get they, they are so accustomed. They are so accustomed to dealing with black people who graduated from Harvard and black people who graduated from Yale and all those because because usually those are the only people that they hire. But this woman was culture, cultured organizationally from a different perspective. And that's why I love this story. Because a Harvard MBA or a Sloan MBA would have never resigned. They would have stood and took it until they had successfully made them the problem. Okay, I got to go. All right, John. Stephen just here. walked by shaking his head. But it's okay. Call me, Stephen. Call me. Call me. <laughs> um, no, they got to go over and help uh, G and Tara get their driveway. Their driveway is just massive. So They got a snowblower? <laughs> so, um yeah, my grandson but I have to I have to tell you I have to tell you this is family hour. But I wanted to tell that story to 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 house music lover because I think he would have appreciated it. But Mason told the dog a couple of months ago when the dog got out, when they found the dog and the dog came in the house, Mason says to the dog, you need Jesus. Okay? (laughs) So he told me, he came over, bought me my valentine and a box of popsicles. He says, because you need these money. (laughs) (laughs) So I have... I have a box of popsicles for Valentine. Alpha, you you have a good Valentine. And India, thank you you so much for your well wishes. I see you. You can call me. I can talk a little bit. They didn't take the phone. Take the phone from me yet. Okay, Alpha. Bye. All right, Jenny. Take care now. Jenny Graham. She's amazing. And um, when I can sit and talk to I talk to Janice all the time. And that spin on the phone felt like I was no longer on the air. And Janice and I were just talking back and forth. Those are the types of conversations we have. She's just amazing. Um, the sad news of uh, my friend Chris Bates and his family. My condolences, my deepest condolences go out to his family. Um, The passing of his wife uh, on yesterday. So all our prayers are with the Bates family. Look, I have relieved some of my stress not having to speak about or talk on politics and you know, I'm 
I've always placed myself in this position where angered at what they should be doing as compared to what they are actually doing. And it pisses me off to no end when I see opportunity simply allowed to wither and die on the vine because someone hasn't the courage. They don't possess the courage to fight these bastards and fight them the way they should be fighting them. And that is my problem. That is for, that's the problem I have with the Democratic Party and all of this nonsense. And I say it and I mean it. It's nonsense. That we have people who just who just don't get it. Just don't get it. And they are the people in office. And they will never get it. Because they are too joined at the hip with the money. And they need this money to survive. So that's what that's what gets me that's what gets chase my willy. Let me put it like that. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you know, I'll say it and I'll always say it. We have to. This is this is the end of the road. There is no no balance. If a Republican becomes president and they keep the House and the Senate, there will be no Social Security, no more social safety nets. There will be no more food stamps. All of you poor people out there who just aren't paying attention will be kicked to the curb. Pour it, pour it down the commode. So if you have to, you better get up off your asses and fight these bastards because there's no way we will survive at the rate we're going. I want to thank Janice Graham for her phone call. I want to thank House Music Glover. I want to thank you all for listening. Even though we had a rough start, when injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty. Ratings are more important than the truth. Our government builds twice as many prisons and schools. It's easier to find a Big Mac than an apple. And when you find the apple, it's been genetically processed and modified. Presidents lie. Politicians trick us. Race is still an issue. So is religion. Your God doesn't exist. My God does, and he is all loving. If you disagree with me, I'll kill you. Or even worse, argue you to death. 92% of songs on the radio are about sex. Kids don't play tag, they play twerk videos. The average person watches five hours of television a day and it's more violence on the screen than ever before. Technology has given us everything we could ever want and at the same time stolen everything we really need. Pride is at an all-time high, humility an all-time low. Everybody knows everything, everybody's going somewhere, ignoring someone, blaming somebody. Not many human beings left anymore, a lot of human doings, plenty of human lingerings in the past. Until next week, people, I guess it will get a little more interesting. The nation is in a quandary. It's a mess. 
You've been listening to The Alpha Show. Join us next Friday night, 10 p.m. Alpha will lay it out. It's just damn politics. Thank you for joining us at TruthWorks Network, The Alpha Show. TruthWorks presents The Alpha Show. Each Friday, 10 p.m. It's Fire in the Belly Friday at TruthWorks Network. Bring your own rocks. The best of political pushback. ways inconceivable 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 you keep using the word i don't think it means what you think it means